Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ogletree Deacon's California Employment Law Podcast. My name is Charles Thompson. I'm a shareholder in the San Francisco office and am co-chair of the Leave of Absence Reasonable Accommodation Practice Group, and also over the past year have uh, you know provided a lot of advice, all things COVID. Today, we've got two great panelists with us. We've got Patty Mateus from uh, the Orange, she's a shareholder in the San Francisco, not the San Francisco office, the Orange County office. And we've also got with her Christian Keeney, who is also a shareholder in the Orange County office. Now, I've had the opportunity to work in the Orange County office for a number of months in trial, and I can tell you that's a great office. And Christian and Patty are two of my favorite people in all of California. I think that you're really going to enjoy this podcast. And they did a podcast on October 2nd, 2020, about recruiting and retention during the COVID-19 pandemic, top issues facing California staffing agencies. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that because I think that you will find that very informative. Christian, Patty, did I leave anything out that you uh, that, that I should have mentioned? No, thank you very much for the warm welcome, as always. And I think we can safely say you are our favorite shareholder who has visited from the San Francisco office for a trial in Orange County. Okay, so that's a narrow group, but I will take. Patty, I want to start off with a general question about vaccines, and, and then let's go on from there. So in California, can an employer require that an employee be vaccinated? Well, first, thanks again for having us on, Charles. We really have a great time doing this podcast with you. So thanks for having us. Um, And please continue inviting us despite Christian's very lawyerly response (laughs) to your introduction. And great first question. We've been getting this question frequently, especially as vaccines are becoming more readily available. Thankfully, earlier this month, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing updated its FAQs to discuss vaccinations. Many of the DFEH's responses are consistent with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission's response to the same question, which is good news as we'd been looking to the EEOC for guidance while we waited for the DFEH to weigh in. Now, in its responses to FAQs, the DFEH confirmed that employers can require employees to receive an FDA-approved vaccination so long as the employer reasonably accommodates employees' disabilities and any sincerely held religious beliefs or practices. Of course, employers may not retaliate against employees for engaging in a protected activity, such as requesting an accommodation. 
So if an employee has a disability-related reason or sincerely held belief not to be vaccinated, the employer must engage in the interactive process. This requires a case-by-case assessment of the availability of a reasonable accommodation. For example, if an employee has a disability-related reason for not getting the vaccine, reasonable accommodations may include working from home. A lot of times, working from home isn't an option, and other accommodations may be reasonable safeguards and procedures so employees can work at the worksite without endangering themselves or others. So what if an employee objects to getting a vaccine, but the reason is unrelated to a disability or religious belief? For example, what if the employee says, I don't believe the vaccine is safe, or the employee says, I just don't believe in vaccines? In those cases, the DFEH does not require employers to reasonably accommodate. Now, employers who will mandate vaccines must be prepared for how to deal with employees who object without a religious or medical reason. The DFEH has taken the position that employers may discipline employees who refuse to be vaccinated so long as the discipline isn't retaliatory. We suggest employers anticipate these scenarios and develop consistent practices and what responses to take. Great. Hey, Patty, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think it's important to point out about reasonable accommodation um, that the employer certainly is entitled to, certainly is entitled to medical documentation of the, um, of the, of the disability and that a reasonable accommodation is needed. I think I'd also point out that the Division of Industrial Relations this week, uh, or it may have been late last week, made clear that if an employer mandates vaccines, the employer must pay for the employee each time to get the vaccine and must pay for the vaccination itself, which means that employers should be uh, should be forming relationships with uh, particular vaccine providers and making sure that that is where that and dictating that that is where the employee has to go to get vaccinated in staffing agencies and PEOs. So let's say that a company has both direct employees, you know, their own employees, and then th- and then temporary workers, say from a staffing staffing agency. I guess, should the employer require and can the employer require that the temporary worker uh, get vaccinated? So there are competing interests at stake. On the one hand, you have the employer's interest in having uniformity in uh, vaccination requirements for both direct employees and temporary workers. And on the other hand, you have the employer's interest in avoiding potential joint employment issues by exercising control over temporary workers with respect to vaccines in a way that might indicate an employment relationship. To some extent, this is just a different version of the same issue that's always implicated in the staffing context, which is who is responsible for what? Um, Ideally, this is an issue that staffing companies and their clients will work through proactively and cooperatively. And to avoid any ambiguity or misunderstanding, the best practice that we recommend is to really spell out 
the responsibilities in a written addendum to the staffing agreement between the agency and their client. In particular, who is responsible for confirming that a worker was vaccinated? Who will maintain the record of that worker's vaccination? And if the information is going to be shared between the agency and the client, the worker has an interest in confidentiality. So who obtains the consent from the worker and who maintains the written acknowledgement of that consent? So the best practice in that instance is, is really to make sure that it's, it's very clearly spelled out between the agency and, uh, and their client, and, and in particular in a, in a written addendum. Okay, but what so what I hear you saying, Christian, and obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong, although nicely, please, um, is that is that a company that hires or, or a company that uh, that has temporary workers on site can require the staffing agency to send it in, uh, temporary workers who have been vaccinated. They can. The, again, the, the concern is just, are they going to inadvertently exercise control over those temporary workers with respect to the vaccination requirements in a way that implicates joint employment where they otherwise may not want to do that? So that's why we recommend that they're careful about having those responsibilities spelled out between themselves and the agency. Right. And make the agency responsible for carrying those responsibilities out. Correct. Right. Okay, Patty. A lot of a lot of the clients that I that I deal with um, are not requiring vaccination at this point. Instead, they are encouraging people to get vaccinated. Um, they are conducting surveys to see how many people are voluntarily getting vaccinated, so that they don't you know so that they don't have to so that the employer doesn't have to require vaccination. But but maybe you could tell us. What kind of incentives can employers actually offer to, uh, well, I was going to say to employees uh, to get vaccinated? Yes, we've been seeing employers who are choosing not to mandate vaccinations, but are really interested in what incentives are available and what other companies are doing. And many employers are offering modest incentives to encourage their workers to get vaccinated. So these types of incentives include paid time off to employees who get vaccinated. And we've been seeing four to six hours of PTO. Um, some have been doing raffles for workers who have received the vaccine. Others have done small prizes or rewards, so those could be gift cards or coupons to employees and workers who get vaccinated. And what type of incentive to use really depends on your company's culture, the demographic, and an understanding of what motivates a company's particular workforce. I do have a few words of caution for providing larger incentives and bonuses to employees who get vaccinated, as there may be tax and legal consequences of those types of benefits. If you're considering larger incentives and bonuses, you should really talk to counsel so, so that you know what the risks or requirements are. Finally, incentive programs shouldn't discriminate against workers who aren't able to get vaccinated 
for religious, medical, or other reasons. So that means providing an alternative way for the employee to achieve the incentive apart from getting the vaccination. Okay. And what about incentivizing uh, temporary workers to get vaccinated? Uh, What do you think about that? So that's a great question, and it really implicates those joint employment issues. The best advice would be if a company is using a staffing agency and the company wants to extend those incentives to the staffing agency, loop in the staffing agency, speak to them about what incentives you'd like to offer and how that will be communicated to to the staffing agency employees, because it may be best for it to go through the staffing agency itself. Yeah, and it seems, and you can, again, Patty, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to me that instead of incentivizing temporary employees, should the client incentivize the temporary employees or should the client just say, hey, staffing agency, you need to have these people you need to have these people, uh, you know, whoever you send to us has to have already been vaccinated. I mean, which one, in your all's opinion, is the greatest risk of joint employment? I think they both entail different types of risks um, of joint employment with if you require, for example, that a staffing agency, um, let's say, you already have temporary employees from a staffing agency working at your location and they're doing a great job and you want to continue having them there, um, you may, and you're incentivizing your workforce to get the vaccine, it may be more appropriate that you work with the staffing agency. So the staffing agency incentivizes the workforce that's already there to get the vaccine. Um, if you're bringing in, you know, new temporary employees and there's a high turnover and your own workforce is mostly vaccinated, it may make more sense to require that the staffing agency send temps who've already been vaccinated. Well, there's okay. a practical concern there too, because you know we're being very good at doling out legal advice, but sometimes it's these practical issues. For instance, if direct employees are being offered a particular incentive, and temporary workers are working right alongside them and they know about these incentives, but they're not being offered them. Sometimes that creates some friction in the workplace, not necessarily a legal issue, but something that both the agency and the work site should at least be you know, cognizant of as they roll out those kinds of incentives. Great. Thank you. You know, Christian, I inadvertently actually answered a question that I meant to ask you which is about paying for or providing the vaccine. And, and as, as, I, as, as, I, as I already disclosed, you know, the, the state is taking the position that you have to pay for the vaccine if you are requiring the employer to take it. Um, so I want to ask a slightly different question, and that is that I, you know, some employers are sponsoring their own vaccination programs, their only their own on-site vaccination programs. They can be voluntary or, or involuntary. Um, so I'm wondering, in those situations, do you all recommend that the employer offers temporary employees um, the same access to the on-site vaccination? Or do you recommend that, that they just let the staffing agency take care of it? 
for joint employment purposes, the sort of easiest answer is always to let the staffing agency take care of it. With respect to the specific issue of creating a on-site vaccination program, either through a vendor or clinic, there it's a great idea. It's a great concept, but it uh, it also can, as a lot of these great ideas do, raise other tricky issues that you don't necessarily anticipate. And one of them is creating a potentially inadvertently creating an employer-sponsored health plan. And if that occurs, then the employer needs to comply with ERISA, create a plan document, file form 5500s and consider COBRA requirements, all of which is very far afield from my area of expertise. And hopefully there will be no follow-up questions on that particular point. But we do have great ERISA and benefits specialists within Ogletree. So maybe that's an idea for a follow-up podcast. I do like the fact that you just warned me. Do not dare, do not dare ask me a follow-up question that involves ERISA. <laughs> um, okay, Christian, thanks. Thank, thanks, very, thanks very much. Um, so Christian, Patty, either of you have any last, uh, any final advice for, uh, for staffing agencies that may be listening to this? I guess the takeaway for me, I, if, if you're an agency or, or somebody who works with a company that works with agencies, the key takeaway, if you take anything away from this, is to carefully plan uh, how you're going to handle vaccinations between your your company and the agency or vice versa it, as long as these things are worked through in a proactive and cooperative way you can really minimize issues and also ensure the safety of your workforce patty anything from you yes i agree that the key thing here is communication between the staffing agency and the client site about how to handle these anticipating issues that will arise. Very importantly, along those lines, documenting the key, the key agreements with respects to rights and responsibilities and an addendum to your staffing agreement. I was about to mention, you all can assist people, assist both staffing agencies and or non-staffing agencies with, um, with, with, with drafting those agreements or or reviewing agreements, and also just providing them with um, everyday advice about uh, about how to deal with uh, you know with temporary workers, right? Yeah, we have both had the good fortune to work on both sides of this coin. So we've represented staffing agencies and companies that work with staffing agencies. So we're able to see the issues or potential issues from from both sides. Right. And I've had the opportunity to work with both of you, with my staffing agency clients, and you all have been great. And I really appreciate it. All right. So I think you'll definitely be invited back for another podcast. <laughs> I mean, Christian, it was touch and go for you. For a while. <laughs> but anyway, everybody, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this. We should have another podcast up within the next seven to 10 days. And if you have any questions about any of the issues that were raised in the podcast, particularly about staffing agencies, please reach out to Patty or Christian. We certainly would appreciate it. Thanks very much, everyone.
Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.